Welcome to the Embodiment Podcast. My name is Stephanie Wilton, and I'm the creatrix of the Mandorla Yoga Institute and Embodiment Yoga. And today is my first podcast, and what I'd like to share with you is my story. When a lot of people meet me, what they don't realize is that my story is very much wrapped up in trauma. And what's interesting is that I think so many of us spend so much of our lives hiding who we are from people. And in in yoga, we call this avidya or the, the masks that we wear. And the reason I want to share my story with you is that I believe that the only way that we can move beyond our pain is to move through it. And so if you relate to some of these things that I'm about to share, my advice to you more than anything is to find a support system, whether that's a good therapist or a good friend. Find people who will really see you for who you are, who will listen to your sentences fully, and who will hold space for you. Because what I'd like to share and inspire you with today is that your pain is your gift. So I'm going to bring you back a little bit to my personal story and I'll touch on a few things. I promise not to share anything that's traumatizing for you. Uh, But what I want to talk about is how as a child my family moved a lot. And what this meant for me is that just as I would start to experience feeling that level of comfort, like I was starting to know people and get settled, I would need to be uprooted again. It didn't happen for all of my childhood, but it happened enough that it was significant for me to begin to feel that I didn't quite fit in anywhere. And what became a huge part of my story was this pattern of rejection and eventually not even rejection itself, but a fear of being rejected that limited me from acting. And we're going to fast forward a whole bunch here. We're going to go past a lot of things that just aren't helpful to talk about. And what I want to explore is who I was after university and what happened there. So I went to university very young. I graduated at the tender age of 21 and I wasn't really sure what to do with myself. In fact, I would say by this point, some of my trauma patterns had me to the point where I feel, um, excuse me, felt paralyzed. And the strongest thing that I can tell you about this point of my life is feeling this sense of dis-ease. I didn't feel at ease in my body. I didn't feel at ease around other people. And things that were painful for me were as simple as going to a group environment and being in situations where uh, I might have to make eye contact or I felt that I might be seen by others. And what this did for me is it made me begin to make choices from a fear-based place. So I started to choose things not based on what I wanted with my life, but I started choosing things based on what I wanted to avoid. And I think this is a pattern that a lot of us fall into. 
And in yoga, uh, this is one of the largest kleshas that we encounter, this pattern of dwesha, which means avoidance. And so here I was at 21 years old, and I was making choices that felt safe. So my trauma was dictating my life. Fortunately for me, uh, what felt safe was exploring yoga. And so I immediately went into yoga teacher training. Um, and as you can expect that as a yoga teacher at 21 years old, there was a lot that I didn't know. And I made a lot of mistakes. And my path was paved by many gracious, loving people. And years go by and I teach yoga and I continue to make decisions based on what feels safe for me and at around age 29 I have this epiphany and I think this is very common for many human beings at this age you start to reflect and have a pre-life crisis and I found myself on this pivotal point of my journey where I realized that I had made all of these decisions based on keeping myself safe and in fact I had created a safe bubble for myself to work within so that I could avoid environments that felt unsafe to me. Now, uh, fortunately, this was really helpful because uh, a lot of people benefited from my safe community and, like myself, shared some of my story, some of my pain, uh, and they appreciated having a place where they could come and be held without judgment. However, I was starting to feel burnt out at the age of 29. I owned a yoga studio. I was teaching about eight classes a day. I did give myself a few days uh, off each week, but I would often spend those days working on the website and answering phone calls and all the other things that anyone who owns a business knows go into running a business. And so I was 29, and at the time I, I was in a relationship, I realized that even that relationship uh, fell into my safety category. And I did something really crazy. I, um, I decided to burn everything down. Not literally. <laughs> but I, I just felt trapped by the decisions that I made. And I realized that though I had achieved success and that I was checking off many of the boxes and maybe perhaps there were even people who looked from the outside in and saw my life and wanted my life perhaps, that I wasn't happy. I was going through the motions and not only was I avoiding uh, and, and trying to stay in this safe bubble, I also wasn't delving into the things that I needed to delve into. And so one of the things that came up for me at this time was that I, uh, I had quite a, a bit of a scoliosis pattern and I was experiencing a great deal of pain in my hip. Um, it was something that I felt that as a yoga teacher I had to hide. In fact, I felt ashamed that my yoga practice hadn't miraculously healed me from every possible thing. And so that's definitely one of the things that I like to touch on when I'm running a yoga training is that this idea of yoga teachers being perfect and it just needs to go. So there I was, I was 29. And I, I did end that relationship with that beautiful person and we were able to end it amicably, but not without pain. 
and uh, I did something I had never done before. I closed my yoga studio down for an entire month and I went away to Montreal to study with my teacher Karen Claffey and I remember messaging her uh, at the time and I, I was full of shame that I was going through a divorce that I wasn't perfect, that I was having pain in my body and all these things. And she was so beautiful and she said, oh, you have it backwards, love. This is the perfect time to come. Just let me, just come and let me hold you. And I went to this training and uh, I put everything on the line financially. And I slept on the studio floor at night to save money and all sorts of funny things. But what I really want to talk about is what happened one evening. Uh, Karen was quite gracious and I was having a lot of vada. If anyone, any of you study Ayurveda, I love to bring this into my conversations. I was having a lot of vada surface <coughs> and I was feeling these panic attacks and I wasn't sleeping. I felt very unsettled. In fact, uh, my strongest memory of that time is uh, being able to articulate that I felt like Alice in Wonderland in a perpetual free fall and that all of the things that I had felt were securities to me had become quicksand and were slipping between my fingers and there was nothing that I could grab onto to feel safe. So if you remember, up until that point, my entire life had been dictated by what was going to make me feel safe. So as terrifying as this was, this was needed for me to step in to my potential and my dharma. So I was at this training and Karen was quite gracious and said, you know, if you need more movement than the yoga practice allows, you can go outside, you know, you can do what you need for your body. And um, what, what preempted that was this. I'll tell you the story now. Um, and I like to call this the story of Shakti Gump. You'll understand why in a moment. Um, I was a raw vegan at the time. Uh, and in fact, I had been a raw vegan for two years. And I was also at this time realizing that that was not a diet that was sustainable for me. Uh, I was feeling very thin, both physically and emotionally, and I was struggling to feel grounded and, and weighted down. Um, so I was shifting my diet during this time, and you should know that shifting my diet meant that in my luggage, uh, instead of packing clothes and extra things that I might need, I chose to keep my clothing and my footwear limited to a pair of Birkenstocks and some yoga pants, etc. Um, I filled my luggage uh, with a blender and a juicer and uh, flew to Montreal with these items. And uh, I had a very rigid diet at this point, and I was slowly integrating cooked food into things. So this is where I'm at. It's evening and yoga training is over. It's hot out. It's August in Montreal and it's humid. And on my insides, all I feel is this sensation of being like a caged tiger. I want to scream. I feel frustrated and overwhelmed and uh, untethered, like there's nothing that I can really ground to. And all that I want to do is run. 
but you have to keep in mind of something um, I've never run before I was that person in university who uh, <laughs> not not in university excuse me in high school uh, who dreaded that day you know where once a year the gym teacher would make you run a lap around the school and you would die um, so I had never run before um, and any fitness that I had done uh, prior to that aside from yoga uh, had been done as a punishment so this was a really new sensation. I'm standing there in my Birkenstocks uh, and I have a bag of cherries in my hand and that was my dinner that evening. I was transitioning slowly, so full grace. And uh, I was in these really flowy cotton yoga pants that uh, looked beautiful when you're doing yoga, not exactly practical for running in a humid climate. So I was standing there and I... And it was this moment that changed my life. And I, I love hearing these stories from people about how there's a pivotal moment in their life that just changes everything, where you just suddenly decide, no, I'm not doing this anymore. And that was my moment. And I didn't put the cherries down. I didn't change my shoes. I only had those Birkenstocks with me for this entire month. So the, that was the only shoes I could run in. And I just started to run. And I think... The real pivotal moment wasn't that one where I started to run and where I made that decision. The real po pivotal moment happens about a minute or two later. I'm running uphill uh, in the suburbs of Montreal and I start to hit a wall. And in that wall, I have this epiphany that I can either um, push through and, and force myself to run because I need this and I can turn this into a punishment. I can stop and just give up and not honor my needs. Or I could meet myself where I'm at and I could run with my breath. And this is really a principle that I share with people when I invite you into an embodiment practice. It's not something I invented. This is the principle of Vyayam. It's being with the breath. It's moving with the breath. It's finding that beautiful, natural cadence that is your rhythm. And so I, I chose that. And that was really what changed my life right then and there. Because I think up until that point, as much as I was avoiding, I was also forcing and pushing and controlling and trying to force myself into certain outcomes. And I wasn't being just in the moment. And so I let go into the run. I found my cadence and I just started to run with my breath and just gave myself permission. And I ran that night for I don't know how long, um, but it was at least a good 30 minutes. Um, the pants were ridiculous. About halfway through, uh, they were getting so stretched out, they were falling, so I had to hold them up the entire time. And uh, with my scoliosis, apparently my running uh, looks like my left leg is doing a very interesting chicken dance. So um, I'm sure that I made quite a spectacle, but... I was in my heart and I was honoring my body and I think that's what really shifted my yoga practice at that point because as much as I would like to tell you that I had life A and then yoga came in and everything was perfect after that, that's not the case. 
approached my yoga the same way that I approached everything else in my life with an air of control. Um, very much trying to keep myself safe, mind you, so controlling the outcome, um, really setting the parameters and, and being not the nicest to myself. So that moment shifted everything and I actually started running every night after yoga practice. And what happened after that uh, was that the people in my yoga training uh, demanded that I go buy some runners. So that happened. Um, and then I became a runner. And uh, in fact, uh, after my daughter was born just about four years ago, I ran my first race and uh, it was just a 10k and she ran the last 1k with me and that's what really shifted my yoga practice this sudden decision to honor myself and my vulnerability to to run with my breath and let my breath set the pace and what I realized was that um, a lot of the time that I had been doing yoga, what was happening was that in group experiences, I wasn't feeling safe. Um, there were times where I would feel triggered. And I, I really want to be careful here in that um, these people who I was seeing for yoga were beautiful people. They weren't doing anything wrong. I think when you have trauma, trauma's going to get triggered when trauma's going to get triggered. Um, but there are things that I wish could have been offered to me at that time. And that's what has really inspired me to offer teacher training and to work with individuals who want to move beyond their story. So that's what really made a big shift for me. In that allowing and what I've gone on to do is to create this system of yoga called embodiment yoga that focuses on asking questions on I hope creating spaces where people are invited to come in to a yoga practice and be reminded of their own self-inquiry and their own wisdom and I think there's a way for yoga teachers to do this in a way that is gentle that isn't confusing that still has that air of confidence because that is important for people to feel safe but then I think there's room for us to do better so that we can create yoga practices that are not facilitating disassociation and going through the motions. And so with embodiment yoga, my big things that I love to explore are the three keys to embodiment yoga, which is reclamation, transformation, and resilience. And these are the things that I have found uh, that have helped me move through my story. And like I said at the beginning, the only way to move beyond our pain is to move through our pain. So there needs to be an element of self-reflection and self-honesty and vulnerability. And I think, again, sometimes we 
go into yoga practices and trust me I did this by myself I did not need anyone's help in doing this I would just go through the motions I would have a script in mind and I would get it done and check it off my list and go on to the next thing so how do we create yoga spaces where people feel safe and where they are confident and encouraged and empowered to have their own self-inquiry experience and I think this is something that that we can do this is something that I hope to explore more and more throughout this podcast among other things so I'm going to end this in a moment but what I'd like to leave you with is just a little food to think about uh, around these three keys to embodiment yoga and please feel free to share these ask questions and explore them on your own so the first key is uh, reclamation and this very much stems from Ayurveda and if we look at a lot of uh, Eastern wisdom you'll see that there is a common thread uh, in that before we do any energy work we should make sure that we are grounded we should make sure that we feel at ease that we feel safe that we uh, have softened the diaphragm the abdomen and the jaw before we invite these more intense practices and I think this is something that we sometimes drop the ball on Uh, so the first key to embodiment yoga is inviting reclamation and one of the other ways that I that I like to phrase this is reclaiming ease in our bodies so by that what I mean is that when you have a yoga practice for yourself or if you're a yoga teacher and you're inviting them into a space what can we do to make that space feel safe to remind people of their own autonomy and to give them our full permission to have their own exploration and I think some of the things that we can say are along the lines of um, if you're really enjoying this pose or if there's something that you're benefiting from or you don't feel ready to move on please know that you have my permission my support to just stay we really need people to understand over and over and over again that in our spaces that they have permission to stay and be in their bodies to listen to their own wisdom the second principle is transformation and this is one that I I found I was really avoiding once people feel safe how do we invite them into that place where they explore their own discomfort so that they can move through it so how do we invite people into spaces that once they feel safe they can begin to explore their own discomfort so that they can move through it and the last principle is resilience how do we create practices that facilitate the cultivation of emotional resilience how do we bring in the whole picture so that people are benefiting from not just physical practice but through all of the koshas the physical the emotional the energetic the mental and the bliss 
So that's what I wanted to leave with you. I really appreciate your listening and I look forward to sharing some actual tangible practices with you in the coming weeks where we can look at meditation and breath breath work and even movement practices. If you want to connect with me, you can always do that through my website, mandorlayoga.com, M-A-N-D-O-R-L-A-Y-O-G-A.com. Have a beautiful day. Thank you.